Hello, and welcome to the latest podcast from The Lancet Respiratory Medicine. I'm Gavin Cleaver, a web editor at The Lancet, and today we're going to be discussing a personal view which asks how we can reduce the high prevalence of cigarette smoking among persons with serious mental illness. Joining me is the corresponding author of the personal view, Professor Wayne Hall. Professor Hall, please will you introduce yourself? Wayne Hall, I'm the director of the Centre for Youth Substance Abuse Research at the University of Queensland and also at the National Addiction Centre, King's College in London. Professor Hall, it's a fact that people with serious mental illness are more likely to be smokers. Could you tell us a bit about the mechanism behind this association? Well, there's no doubt that very high rates of very heavy smoking uh, daily, uh, smoking at a very heavy level in people with serious illnesses like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and uh, serious depression. The mechanisms aren't well understood. There are a number of candidates. One possibility is that people with these illnesses are using nicotine in cigarettes to self-medicate either symptoms of their illness or side effects of the treatments that they're receiving. It could be that smoking is a potential cause of some of the serious the symptoms of serious mental illness, or it could be that there are common causes, other characteristics of individuals that make them more likely to develop serious mental illness and to smoke, so there's no direct connection between the two. The sort of explanation does have implications. I mean, if we do accept the sort of self-medication hypothesis, then one might be a bit more inclined to be permissive and, and sort of accept smoking as a, an understandable reaction that people have to their illness. And I suspect that's probably a common response among staff who uh, treat patients with serious mental illness. Of course, if cigarette smoking is a potential cause of the symptoms of some of these illnesses, then the desirable course would be to encourage people to quit and to do whatever we could to get them to do so. If there was no connection between smoking and mental illness per se, uh, there'd still be very good cause for wanting to reduce smoking because it's a major cause of premature death in people with serious mental illnesses. And one of the reasons that they have such a, a much shorter life expectancy than their peers who don't have those illnesses. What, in your opinion, are the challenges of smoking cessation in people with serious mental illness? We know from a lot of the research that's been done that um, often staff, particularly in mental health services, don't make an effort to encourage people to quit and they don't often refer them to treatment. So lack of access and lack of encouragement to quit is... Um, a problem that uh, we see in a lot of mental health services. If people do attempt to quit, they do find it very difficult because they're much more heavily dependent. You know, they might be a 30, 40 uh, cigarette a day smoker, so it's much harder for them to quit. They're often in social environments, uh, e.g. metal uh, hospital units, or uh, mixing with peers who have serious mental illness where very heavy smoking is common. There's not a lot of, lot of social support for uh, quitting and uh, insofar as they are engaged in some form of self-medication then it may be much more difficult for them to quit. But certainly we know from research that's been done that people with these illnesses are interested in quitting and we probably need to make more of an effort than we do or have done in the past to encourage them to quit and to help them to do so. In your personal view you talk about tobacco harm reduction which is a very controversial topic. Do you think you could outline for us the main debates in this area? There's a number of understandable reasons for that. We have had a past experience of a failed attempt at harm reduction. This was the attempt in the 1960s and 70s to introduce low tar and low nicotine cigarettes and of course tobacco uh, filters for cigarettes which were sort of used by the industry to reassure smokers that they could reduce their risk and we discovered that there's no such thing as uh, reduced risk from those products because smokers use them in ways that to compensate for the low tar and there was no real gain in no in fact harm reduction from those devices. So there's an understandable scepticism within the field about the likelihood of being able to uh, reduce the harm of uh, smoking. We've been very successful in, on the whole in encouraging people just to quit. That's been the whole thrust of tobacco control policy and 
countries like the US, Australia, Canada and the UK. And that has driven down prevalence. So there's a, a, a view amongst a lot of people in the uh, community that uh, we just need to do more of what we've done and uh, eventually smoking will disappear as a habit. And there are also concerns, I guess, about advocating tobacco harm reduction that it may undermine the efficacy of more traditional approaches to uh, reducing smoking by reducing quit attempts amongst current smokers and possibly recruiting new smokers if people were persuaded that they could use these products and they were much safer than cigarettes. So I think they're the main reasons for concern. I think a lot of those concerns can be potentially addressed and I think we do have products out there at the moment which do very, very substantially reduce risk. So I think the concerns about repeating the previous experience of filtered cigarettes and low-tar cigarettes is, is not well-based and I think we should be looking and exploring opportunities for tobacco harm reduction using products like uh, nicotine vaporizers and so-called electronic cigarettes. What are the most important points for clinicians to consider when they're trying to help patients with a serious mental illness quit smoking? Giving advice to quit and uh, offering uh, support on quit attempts is, is critical. I don't think we do enough of that at the moment. It's clear that if patients do make a quit attempt and they use the more traditional nicotine replacement therapies, the gums and patches and so on, that they probably will need a lot higher doses than other smokers and they will probably need to use these products for a lot longer to give themselves a good chance of being able to quit. If they try and fail, their best efforts fail, and I think clinicians should be encouraging people with these illnesses to consider long-term use of nicotine replacement instead of smoking cigarettes. They very, very substantially reduce the health effects of their nicotine use if they were to do that. And in those countries where it is possible for people to access e-cigarettes, as it is in the UK, for example, they could encourage their uh, patients to consider switching to uh, electronic cigarettes completely as an alternative to continuing to smoke tobacco. Many thanks for joining us today, Professor Hall. Many thanks to you for listening.